Let me invite you now to grab a Bible and open it to John 17, a passage that is called the High Priestly Prayer. You know, the one, the Lord's Prayer, is really not the Lord's Prayer. He didn't pray that one. Uh, he taught us to pray it. The one that he prayed is found in John chapter 17. I want to read you just a portion of that which is called the high priestly prayer. John 17, verses one through three, but our concentration really is on just the third verse. But the first three verses say this. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this word, this endures forever. Folks, uh, were the truth known, I, I bet there would be numerous Christians who would say that their life's verse, their life's text is John 17, 3. I know of at least one. His name was John Knox. You know who John Knox is? Well, Scotland does. John Knox was the Protestant leader of the Reformation in all of Scotland. He was also a pain in the side for Mary, Queen of Scots. It is said that the queen once said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than I fear all of the armies of England. Um, by the way, for those of you who are interested in this kind of thing, um, the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, was um, James VI. Uh, and when there was a united kingdom of England and Scotland, the first king was James VI, uh, James VI, and he is the one who commissioned the Bible that some of you have in your laps, the King James Bible. <laughs> well, be that as it may, um, Mary, Queen of Scots, was raised in France, and consequently, she was a Roman Catholic. When she was called back to Scotland to reign, she brought her Catholicism with her, and she ran, of course, headlong into John Knox. John Knox was a constant enemy of Rome, of Rome's representatives, and thus Rome's queen, Mary Queen of Scots. On one occasion, 
John Knox was asked to pay homage to the Virgin Mary, a little icon of the Virgin Mary. And so he grabbed it and he said, Mother, Mother of God, this is no Mother of God, this is a painted piece of wood. And it is more fitting for swimming than it is for worshiping. And he threw it into the river. (laughs) Consequently, he and his queen were constantly fighting. You know, there's a whole lot more that could be said about John Knox, and maybe I should, um, because he's a very uh, heroic dude, but we we just don't have time. One of the things that we do know about him is that as a teenager, and I want to say at age 16, 17, he witnessed the burning on the, of, on the stake of a man by the name of George Wishart. He, which, he witnessed him being murdered by burning him. Anyway, he uh, was never the same. And thus he led Scotland through the Protestant Reformation. Um... On his deathbed, on the day that he died, he asked that John 17, 3 be read. And, and, and this is what he said, and I, I'm quoting what he said about John 17, 3. He said, this is the text on which I cast my first anchor. This is the text on which I cast my first anchor. Isn't that neat? Um, And it is indeed quite a place on which to rest one's soul, is it not? Let me read it to you again. Just verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is the place, that is the place on which John Knox cast his first anchor. Eternal life, summarized in a sentence, summarized in 15 words. Eternal life is to know God and the Christ that he sent Um, it is not to know him informationally. It is to know him personally. It is not to know about him. It is to know him. Um, I don't love the information that I have about him. I love the one to whom the information points or the one that the information describes and ladies and gentlemen may I point out that it is the father's love for the world a world of lost sinners that prompted him to send a remedy in the person and work of Jesus Christ whose saving work 
is what is on display in this sacrament. Now guys, John Knox cast his first anchor into this. Knowing that eternal life was found here. But this is what seems to trip people up over the centuries. It is not eternal life found in the ritual itself. As if the mere taking of the sacrament saves. A thousand times no, ladies and gentlemen. The salvific part, folks, is to be found in the one who accomplished his great work on behalf of his father. And that is what is on display in this sacrament. The work of the father accomplished by the sending of his son. And to know the two of them is eternal life. It's the thing on which or into which John Knox cast his first anchor. Have you an anchor in that same thing? Maybe not the same text, but the same thing. To know God and the Messiah that he sent that is eternal life. It's the love of the God, it's the love of God the Father on display in the sacrificial work of the Son. Folks, how much simpler would you have me to say that? Oh, dear friend, be done with all this talk of good works and in obedience to the Ten Commandments and church membership. Folks, the issue is not have you taken communion or how many times you've taken communion. I, I know that that might sound so wrong, and it is, but folks, I have had people say that thing to me. One of their concerns about Gracie Van is that they don't take communion often enough so that when I stand before God, I'll have a number of times that I participated. 
Ladies and gentlemen, eternal life is not found in the participation in this sacrament. Eternal life is found in knowing the God who sent his son to perform a saving work which is on display in the sacrament. I don't know how I can say it any simpler. Knowing God and the Savior that he sent, that and that only is eternal life. If you've never cast your first anchor, cast it here. Our Father, would you meet us as we are reminded very visibly and even in a tactile manner of the work of Jesus Christ performed on behalf of the undeserving sinner like us. And so, Father, would you meet us here? Would you remind us of all that is said in John 17, 3? And would you remind us of all that Jesus Christ did as your representative in accomplishing the salvation of people who deserve something far worse? We are debtors to grace, O God, all of us. So might we enjoy that thing that has paid our debt the sacrament that points us to the one who performed that saving work. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.